Hey everyone, welcome back to The Complex. Today on Shiny Shorts, Brayden comes very close to his breaking point. We talk with James about how Brayden might have gotten there, and both the short-term and long-term solutions for success. If you'd like to submit a story to be featured and discussed on this podcast, go to jamesochoa.com storm stories. Also, the deadline to get 25% off the video education series and the personalized books has been extended but only for one week. It will expire on July 7th, so get it as soon as you possibly can. Use the discount code SS5, as in the number five, at checkout when purchasing anything from jamesochoa.com. Untitled by Brayden, June 18th, 2019. I'm 21 years old and only recently received medication for my ADD. My whole life, I've been looked down upon, called names, been bullied, been taken advantage of. Everything you can think of, I've been through it. It's caused me to feel terrible about myself, which gives me anxiety, especially around others because I'm scared of being hurt by them, even if I have no reason to think that they would. So I avoid them at all costs, which in turn caused my depression and suicidal thinking. I'm in the deepest, darkest hole right now you can think of. But with this medication, I can see things clearly now, even though I still have anxiety on it. I mean, who wouldn't think the same negative way about myself or my whole life has caused such strong pathways in my brain? But I'm sick of it. I'm done thinking that way. It's going to take time to see and feel change within myself, but I'm not giving up. I've been through too much. Now realizing that I have an actual disorder, not a made-up disorder, helps me not think that everything is my fault. And taking this medication helps me see that I do have good qualities. I'm actually smart, just in a different way. So with all that being said, my whole life has been a constant storm. And I'm making it out alive whether anyone likes it or not. I will be successful at everything I do from now on. It's going to be hard, and I'll make mistakes. But I didn't go through all that pain for nothing. Smiley face. So James, this is... Honestly, a very inspiring story. It is. It is a very, um, very inspiring story. I, I, I love the progression to see essentially like kind of the life that someone with ADHD goes through, right? You, you start off by, you know, not really knowing what's going on with you, just kind of having anxiety and depression and like, kind of reclusing into into yourself because it kind of seems like everything's just going wrong around you. Right. Um, but then you start finding something that works, uh, whether it's medication, whether it's something else, whatever, you start finding something exactly. that works and it and it slowly helps you get get out of that place. Right. What I wanted to talk about in this episode was specifically medication because I know medication can be a very um, controversial topic in ADHD. Um, so I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts. Maybe on the most whether, controversial. <laughs> yes, maybe the most controversial uh, topic in ADHD. So I I wanted to get your opinion on whether medication is needed in ADHD. Is it not? Obviously, for this person, um, it it seems like it helped a lot. Um, can that? Right. Right. Can that be the same case for everyone or no? Uh, yes, it can in, in in different ways. And so it's a very individualized 
uh, process as much of uh, the nature of ADHD in learning to navigate and really manage the storms that spin off of it or the difference in thinking. It's a very personalized process. And if you, yes, if you look at the overall scope of this story, uh, this individual uh, is 21 years old, okay? Uh, it doesn't indicate, you know, when he was diagnosed, but it looks like it was a recent diagnosis uh, at the age of 21. And if you think about eh, 21 years of life and living, uh, feeling very disrupted and thrown off center, uh, it's already embedding much of what I talk about around the emotional distress syndrome. And what, if you look at medication, as you're asking about specifically here, Medication, uh, you want to start the thinking about medication and the aspects of ADHD from a, an adjusting neurochemistry point of view mm. in your mind. And that adjusting neurochemistry, yes, can be done with Western medications of stimulants and other medications on, uh, that help with the ADHD spectrum. But that's one of many when you look at adjusting neurochemistry. Yeah. So when I talk about adjusting neurochemistry and I put medication in that lot, you know, certainly I would put it as one of the more intense or kind of robust or significant uh, aspects of intervention that can occur. But you could also talk about things as simple as how much water a person drinks, how much sleep mm. they're getting each day, their mm -hmm. exercise. Uh, what kind of food are they eating? What kind of meditation are they doing? You know, I just named five or six things there that to me are a component of the discussion when we talk about the ideas of how to adjust the neurochemistry of the mind on the diagnosis of ADHD because medication has been, as I <laughs> so impulsively interrupted you earlier because it's <laughs> such a hot issue, it has become uh, it has become really the target and the bane of existence for so many people, right. because if you look at the nature of what stimulants are, that I'll be the first to agree with anyone that stimulants, much like other types of Western medications, whether they're painkillers or other types of anti-anxiety medications, they certainly can be abused. Okay. Yeah. Right. And so, uh, you know, one aspect of medication is that you have to understand how the adjustment is working. Uh, and so the team-oriented aspect in relationship with your psychiatrist or there are, are more than a few uh, primary care physicians or family doctors helping to manage medication on the ADHD spectrum. Um, but it, it's that dialogue. It's that communication. And mm -hmm. much what I tell clients, Jules, is that uh, it's critical for you to give feedback to your practitioner or your doctor yeah. about how medication is affecting you one way or the other. It's helping me focus or concentrate, or I really kind of lose my appetite, or I get headaches. So there are side effects to any medications, right. uh, but that behavioral uh, loop of getting feedback to your doctor is critical because that helps them to adjust and titrate if you're going to choose to use medication mm. on uh, for an ADHD diagnosis. And I do tell clients that the titration, uh, you know, can last or the adjustment of trying different types of medications um, could be six to nine months uh, over a period of time as you kind of dial in what is most effective 
for you. Yeah. So does that mean that that medication will be effective for everyone or um or are there some people that it just will never be effective? Well, if you look at Western medications and you look at the properties of stimulants, um, they are going to have side effects as many medic Western medications will do. Okay. And so you have to manage and monitor those side effects. And there was, uh, you know, uh, older research in the field that comes to mind uh, that indicated that, you know, uh, uh, 75% percent of the people uh, would be affected, you know, in a positive way with medication. Many of them may have side effects to some degree, but that 90% of the people diagnosed with ADHD could find medications that would be helpful for them Mm -hmm. uh, and the symptoms of ADHD. And the challenge even on a podcast like this is uh, we're just not going to get around the scope of the issue on medication. And so my intention right. is to give people information that says, look, you've got to create dialogues with your doctor and really understand what neurochemistry you're adjusting. So does it work for everyone? No, that's not the case for anything. It may have too many side effects that aren't tolerable. Uh, the feeling state in your body of how the medication adjusts things that may disorient you, these may not be mm. the best or may not be the option that you choose. This is what I will say about medication, that if you look at the developmental issue of ADHD, that there is a, an underactivity, as we have, uh, as research has indicated uh, for over 20 years now, in the executive functioning aspect of the mind. So the ability to plan, prioritize, mm-hmm. and evaluate, and stay focused, concentrated, and motivated is what is short-sighted underactive, nearsighted, however you want to term it, it's not as functioning, it's not functioning as well as it could. It's not that it's not functioning at all. It's that it's the functioning in a chaotic or inconsistent fashion. And there is also some chemistry related um, uh, weakness in the ongoing connection around active working memory or keeping things in mind uh, as Mm -hmm. you're doing one thing or another. It's the classic of going from one room to another and forget what you went for. Uh, And so when you look at that, stimulant medications adjust the dopamine receptors in the neurochemistry of the mind. And that dopamine is a focus, concentration, motivation agent in general. Okay, these Mm -hmm. are kind of broad stroke terms. But in the adjustment of that dopamine, there is the uh, methamphetamine side of medications, you know, names like Adderall, uh, Avicio now. There's, there's a continued development of medications. But that methamphetamine side, as I understand it, helps the body to produce more dopamine than it would naturally have, very mm-hmm. much like caffeine would do. And gotcha. so caffeine as a stimulant is helping a vast majority of people in the world to stay focused and concentrated and more motivated under the stress, uh, you know, uh, of the world in today's, which mm-hmm. is just huge. Right. Um, but then the methylphenidate side of the chemistry, which are generally with names like Ritalin or Concerta or Focalin, uh, the methylphenidate side adjusts the receptor system 
in the chemistry of the brain on how the dopamine is picked up and used more efficiently. Mm -hmm. And so you've got different mechanisms on stimulants that will adjust the dopamine structure, uh, but that's really what we're talking about. And so whether medication is right for everyone, it's a consideration because uh, it has one of the more robust, significant abilities to close the gap of the mm. underactivity in the neurology of the mind, particularly of the executive functioning or of the active working memory system. Right. That is critical because if someone comes to the table with all this stress and anxiety, as in this story, what he describes here is that the medication has helped him manage those symptoms of ADHD. It is not taking out all the anxiety of feeling like I have been different or wrong or bullied my entire life. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's not going to. Right. But so medication is very helpful uh, in many, many ways. Great. Well, yeah. So that, that leads us really well into kind of my next um, question of where. Well, do... actually, let me say one more thing about medication. Okay. Um, sure, if sure. you don't mind. Yeah. I'm sorry, for, but it just comes to mind that's really important that when you're looking at uh, the use of medication, when you close the gap of that underactivity and the executive functioning of the mind, the strategies, the education, the awareness you have that you can get about the diagnosis of ADHD is so much higher because you're able to focus concentrate, stay motivated, right. plan, prioritize, and evaluate more effectively. So the strategies that you're developing are going to be more efficient and effective. And I've had a number of adults who will use medication for periods of time and then choose with their doctors to go off medications. Some will be on medications their entire life. I just wanted to make the point that it really helps close that gap and helps you to create and develop aspects of managing it much more effectively when you're on medication so you can close that gap faster gotcha so you so if you do go on medication you might not necessarily need medication for the rest of your life you just might need it to kind of right, jump start right. oh. jump start your ability to to you know deal with these certain things in life that you are having specific troubles with sure and so with that being said uh, again, it's such a wide-scoped individual issue. It's one of many things that are evaluated as a component of the diagnosis of ADHD. But medication is a critical intervention right. and can be very helpful. Gotcha. So then um, I wanted to get into uh, another question around kind of, it's, it's typically called comorbid um, conditions. So like basically having uh, a... I think you like to call it coexisting conditions. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Basically, like you have right. ADHD, but you also have depression. You also have anxiety. You also have, you know, all these other different things. Um, what what is that exactly? Are do these people have? Does everybody have these kind of comorbid conditions independently, or are they coming from something with ADHD? Well, it's a great question and one that's been looked at in many, many ways over the years. <clears throat> and essentially, as what I do call them coexisting, comorbid is more of a clinical, accurate uh, terminology. Um, but the coexisting has more of a pragmatic way of thinking about it in that they exist as a result of 
uh, or they exist together. And so if you look at ADHD as a, a disruption in consistency and follow through and creating this kind of emotional or mental intensity of disruption, then if you feel or you're that disruptive or there you, things in your life are that chaotic, it's going to easily spin off things like feelings of failure or that I'm not worth much mm. or those senses of depression that life is really hard. So it kicks up the symptomology of depression. Yeah. The, the uh, symptoms of ADHD kick up the aspects of depression naturally and to the point that, you know, both anxiety and ADHD occur somewhere in the uh, general rule of about 40% of the time as a coexisting condition to some degree, that's an enormous coexistence when you yeah. look at diagnostic uh, aspects of a clinical uh, mental health diagnosis. And, but again, it's a natural offshoot in many ways uh, of the symptomology or the conditions of ADHD. Um, the aspects of anxiety are a little different in that I would separate this into two forms of anxiety. Uh, there is a, an, an internal restless aspect of anxiety that mm -hmm. my mind really doesn't sit down and rest. It's constantly thinking about other things or hyper drive forward or constantly worried or nervous about, you know, things related to follow through or consistency that are on the ADHD spectrum. Gotcha. That type of anxiety uh, is actually can be calmed down, believe it or not, by the use of a stimulant medication, because suddenly I'm able to focus and concentrate and stay motivated more evenly. Yeah. So that kind of internal restless aspect of the anxiety in this case calms down. And so that type of anxiety of restlessness can calm down. Now, if you take more traditional generalized anxiety uh, that can spin off things like uh, panic or phobias or other types of uh, uh, anxiety-related conditions, there's an anxiety that has more of a free-floating worry about, I'm afraid something's going to happen, uh, and that worry doesn't go away, and so I'm always what's called awfulizing or thinking the worst about things. Uh, and that can create itself into its own diagnosis outside mm -hmm. of ADHD, in my opinion, if the emotional distress syndrome of ADHD is not actively treated, managed, understood, yeah. and you learn yeah. to navigate it because you really do begin to worry the sense of failure. That, so it breathes kind of a life of its own. Uh, you can have genetic conditions of anxiety and or depression that are outside of ADHD in family systems where those anxiety and depression can feed itself gotcha. uh, as separate diagnoses. The best part about it to me is that in my directed educational kind of action-oriented approach of developing personal strategies to manage it, what we do with ADHD to manage it many times is going to calm down the sense of depression or anxiety, uh, whether it's mindfulness or meditation or getting outside or interacting with others uh, or feeling good about who you are because of uh, the strength you're building inside yourself to help you not feel as worthless or, you know, so it relieves depression. So the treatment uh, of ADHD is going to support 
and help to manage uh, symptoms of both depression and anxiety many times as well. So they will, uh, they will co-occur in a positive way. Gotcha. So you, you touched a little bit on um, the emotional distress syndrome that you talk about. Um, how sure. does that actually develop? Like, I, I get that, um, you know, that all these co coexisting conditions uh, can develop off of the underactivity of the brain in ADHD. Um, but like, but I don't, is that, is that all that, ha like, what is it in someone's day-to-day -day life that causes them to uh, create this emotional distress syndrome, essentially? Well, um, well, if you look at this story, uh, you and I were talking before we started recording the podcast, that I had gone through this story this morning, and I found 10 very clear references to the emotional distress syndrome in this individual's story. Uh, and, okay. and then I also see some resourcing or some, um, I'm not going to let this kind of overwhelm me. I'm going to get on with my life kind of a feeling state. Mm. And that's about four things that are in there. And so, you know, obviously the emotional so could distress the, could the things that were like the emotional distress syndrome be like, you know, being called names or being bullied yes. or taken advantage of that kind of thing. Yes. Okay. Right, so those are the emotional distress syndrome, as well gotcha. as being scared to be around people, avoiding them, uh, the suicidal thinking, very mm. unfortunately, and that kind of dark hole of not knowing what to do next, uh, which I always tell people, just remember this too shall pass, really, really resourcing yourself to take care of yourself as a component of kind of how to manage these kind of storms. But the storms, as you can see, are a natural mm -hmm. component of the mental and emotional aspects or symptomology of ADD that spins off of the disruptions. Uh, and so whether someone doesn't feel empowered yeah. enough to stand up for themselves when someone calls them a name or goes home and supports themselves by talking to other people when something like that happens and finds their own kind of support group or resource, it's interesting because if I was to describe a storm in my own personal life, okay, today, and I wrote the story out, yeah, I think it would probably have one to two references of the emotional distress syndrome. This is kind of how it showed up. And I probably would have seven, eight, nine, ten resource responses that I was taking care of myself. Uh, gotcha. And so because the storms don't go away in yeah. my own life, as simple as, uh, you know, feeling more internal restless anxiety uh, because my routines were uh, disrupted in a short vacation I just took. And it's taken me a couple days to kind of come back to center. So my startle kind of response is a little higher right now. Mm -hmm. I know that. And so I've done deep breathing. I've gone swimming. I've meditated this morning. I had a good breakfast. Uh, I've used some essential oils to calm myself. I've done all these things yeah. to surround who I am, to insulate myself and respond to those disruptions. And that's how you treat this longer term, gotcha. is creating those personal strategies to really respond to the storms. And you can see that in this individual toward the end of the story about where he says he may not be successful you know, at everything he knows he's going to make mistakes. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna survive this. I'm going yeah. to, you know, uh, you know, his whole life being a constant storm. I'm gonna make it out alive, whether anyone likes it or not. Yeah, which I is this that. kind of resilience of like I'll show you, which is fine, which right. is a great way to kind of. A stand up in yourself and say, I can do this. And mm-hmm. then I think differently and it's okay. I can get on with it. Yeah. Perfect. Well, do you have anything else to say, James? Well, I think, you know, something that keeps coming back here in my mind as we're finishing this is I, I want to go back to that aspect of adjusting neurochemistry with medication sure. briefly and just say, you know, that you really do want to look at as importantly the aspects of your sleep patterns. Uh, exercise that's consistently and that you may have heard in other podcasts I talk about what I call a decathlon approach to exercise Mm. have 10 different things you are interested or could do for exercise so that your the interest or uh, of your mind or the issue of inconsistency or a difficult motivation may grab one of those 10 things to do Uh, I'm currently swimming in the morning at a a beautiful uh, cold springs here in Austin Texas uh, and that may last, I think, through October, and I'll probably move into rowing or something else, but always want to be doing something, your water intake, and I cannot speak enough about uh, meditations and the way I talk about micro-meditations that are one, two, three minutes throughout your day of stopping yourself uh, to kind of deep breathe and center, or slow yeah. motion, which is just slowing your mind down or slowing your activity down by 25%. I want people to get that when we talk about medication, that there are a lot of other resources and those are a few of them. If no one's uh, has, if this is like the first podcast anyone's ever heard from me, there are other ones I talk about. I want to make sure I kind of rounded out that, that uh, uh, conversation around adjusting neurochemistry. Perfect. That sounds great. And everybody can find more of those, um, techniques and and things for that long-term treatment of adhd in your video education series yes i know you go into that extremely deeply and and cover that um, i do I such do. that people can kind of do that do that on their own absolutely i also want to say real quick uh that i think that uh we've got the video education series in the book still on uh, a 25 percent off through the end of the month and if you're listening to this podcast you know, we will give you the code of the uh, uh, SS5 again uh, to be able to purchase that. And we'll leave that up for an extra week for those who listen to this podcast that want to go take advantage of having 25% off that we did last podcast. I want to still offer that. And I also want to let people know I am in the active process of developing some more opportunities to engage with me uh, in a more of a, uh, a membership or a um, a tribe kind of fashion that's coming up here in the next six months or so. So I want people to to know that I'm really looking at how to get resources to them because not everyone can get to me in Austin, Texas. So I really want them to have resource that's real. The video education series, like you said, is one of those. The book is certainly that. But there are there are others coming online here. So keep your eyes on that uh, by signing up for my newsletter, uh, putting in a storm story uh, on my website. Those kind of things we'd love to have. Or following James on uh, any kind of social media. Absolutely. Yeah. LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, Facebook. Okay. Well, great. Um, if any of you all want to 
get that education series or go and submit your own storm story to this podcast, you can go to jamesochoa.com and there you will find under resources, the video education series and right next to it, the storm stories. All right. Well, thank you so much for all that awesome information, James. Um, and we will see everyone next month. Absolutely. Look forward to talking with everyone next time. Take care. The producer and editor of The Complex is Jules Ochoa. The executive producer and local ADHD expert is James Ochoa, LPC. The reader of the Storm Story today was Jay Baker.